Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. All right, so today we are going to be talking about kind of another question that we got from a listener, but also we're just going to be talking about the topic in general. So that is about lunging using positive reinforcement and I guess how to do it, what are some problems that might come up commonly and how to address them and just, you know, we always ramble. So whatever we get into related to this topic, I guess. Yeah, I think a lot of what we say will probably tie in with last week with like the horses might have already some associations with a lunging type behavior. So you might have to back it up a lot and maybe even completely restart it. But it all depends on your horse and their history. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you are doing it in the same area and you're just randomly one day like, okay, we've always been doing negative reinforcement, but now we're going to try to lunge with positive reinforcement. That can be especially tough, um, like with the same environmental context and like a strong learning history of it being negative reinforcement. So I can definitely see how that could be stressful to the horse. So I would say maybe in that situation, maybe trying a different environment to lunge could be useful. Like I know a lot of positive reinforcement people like to use reverse round pens, which you can easily make using cones and pool noodles or even a rope or there's all sorts of ways you can make them. You can find a lot of ideas on the internet about it, but basically you are on the inside and the horse is on the outside. And so basically it's a form of protected contact so you can you know, be separated from the horse, both for your safety and the horse's safety, and to kind of create that structure of the lunging going around the circle. And then also the horse being on the outside typically has, you know, the ability to walk away, which is always good to give them that choice and training to just, you know, go away. So I think that that is something that can work well. Or, I mean, if you have a round pen, you can use the round pen maybe, but just put the horse on the outside of it. I've done that before with the round pen at um, my friend Joe's house. Um, just basically me being on the inside, the horse being on the outside. It was a little bit tougher because the bars are a little bit harder to like put a target through or feed through more so than like just having a sort of shorter like reverse round pen made out of cones. So I'd still recommend the cones probably more so, but you could do it with a real round pen too. There's a lot of ways to make reverse round pens. The easiest for me has just buying has been buying those step-in posts. They're just plastic and they have a little metal piece on the bottom that shoves into the ground. And then I literally just use baling twine because I have so much of it. And it's not pretty, but it's functional. So there's a lot of ways you can do that. And cones are great too. You could use a normal round pen like you said, but I feel like I would have a lot of issues with the target and the hand feeding. So it might be a little more challenging. And I think it's important too to know that it's not going to be like traditional training where you can kind of just have a lunge line on and then use a whip and the horse responds immediately because what we're actually doing usually is having the horse follow something. So that targeting behavior has to be pretty solid before you actually get to be kind of imitating lunging behaviors that are done traditionally. 
Yeah, that's very true. And at least from my experience, I mean, I never started horses with negative reinforcement. So maybe when starting them, it goes slower, although I, I don't really think so. Um, <laughs> but like, basically, you just get in there and you expect them to be able to, you know, walk, trot, canter, maybe they don't know some of the more technical things, or maybe they are not, you know, staying on the rail well enough or whatever. But in general, it's like the principle of like, oh, you know, you wave the whip, they're going to trot or whatever. And so I also would say it's important not to go into it expecting to be able to get those high levels of movement immediately without having done some previous work on that. Um, and the reverse round pen can be a good way of starting to work on getting higher movement behaviors, but just you know, know that it may take a while. And some horses I have just experienced just are very much energy conservers and it's very tough to motivate them to want to trot in the reverse round pen. And there are all sorts of ways that you can try to do that. I mean, you can try to bring out balls and get them excited to, to kind of chase and push the ball. You can just use targeting and kind of up your own energy a little bit. Um, by energy, I mean like, you know, maybe make slightly more exaggerated body movements or like sort of act like you're about to start running and just move your body a little bit more um, and stuff like that to encourage them to move. But it's really just going to be like, you have to go at the horse's pace. I have some horses back home who I still can rarely ever get to trot with me. And then the horse I'm working with here now, Charlie, he will trot with me almost any time. So it's also just difference in personality or difference in how they're managed can really affect that. So just be, you know, understanding if they're not ready to like trot and canter the first time you try the reverse round pen. Yeah, that's a really good point. For me with Elizabeth, my foster horse, we're doing just like one or two steps around the circle right now, which is interesting because my other two know how to do the reverse round pen pretty well. So I'm like having to remind myself that this is where she is right now and that's okay because she hasn't learned how to do that before, so it's completely new. And I like that you brought up the difference in personality types, too, because with Wander, I can usually get him to trot, but he would much rather just walk around the whole thing, and that's cool with me. I don't really care. But then with Pharaoh, he needs high-value treats to walk because he just wants to canter. So <laughs> there's definitely a difference in personality types there, and it's really important to know your horse. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. And then another random thing that I'll add about the reverse round pen is to always make sure that you feed on the outside of the pen because you don't want the horse sticking their nose into the pen and possibly knocking it over, especially because a lot of the time they're not very um, like structurally sound. They're like just kind of some poles or cones or whatever stuck up there. So the horse could definitely trample through it. So you always want to be encouraging them to stay, you know, with their head straight on the outside and not coming into the middle. Um, so yeah, I would just add that. And in general, I would recommend against feeding horses um, over a fence or over a door or anything like that whenever possible. It's just usually a good idea to feed them like on the inside of wherever they are just to you know prevent them from pushing on walls or anything like that and to kind of keep the sort of default neutral with them not sticking their head over begging for treats basically yeah that's a really common problem I think a lot of people have so I'm glad you brought that up and I have another one that I've done with both my horses which is really fun but 
I used an unintentionally a lot of frustration with targeting by having them chase it. So this is with reverse round penning, but also just targeting in general. You want to have a different cue for following the target versus touching it. Otherwise, some of those behaviors, like the higher energy stuff, might actually be coming from frustration rather than because they're going to be earning rewards. Yes, that is very true. And I don't think we're going to get into the whole concentration phase thing here, but maybe we can do an episode on it. We sort of talked about it in the intrinsic thing, but I would like to do an episode focused on it and getting more into the science behind it. But um, I would just say, like, if you see your horse looking stressed, I personally would take that as a sign of frustration or pain or something like that. Like, I would take that as a sign that you need to slow down and figure out what's wrong and not just kind of write it off as like, oh, it's just natural. Because I mean, there's a lot of science showing that those facial expressions are seeming to indicate discomfort. So that's something to take seriously. And then also, in my opinion, it's kind of rather safe than sorry. I'd rather be like, oh, I don't want my horse to be stressed. So I'm going to be extra careful about it than be like, oh, I'm just going to over look at and it'll be fine because I mean stress negative stress is so harmful to the horse both physically and mentally and so you know I guess the negative of overlooking it is pretty serious because they're going to have to deal with that stress and that's going to affect them physically and mentally and affect their relationship with you whereas if you know I'm wrong here and actually it is a normal facial expression the only thing is like oh you went a little slower than you needed to And so I think, you know, regardless of the science, I still would recommend being cautious with that just because, again, I'd rather be safer than sorry with my horse's um, physical and mental comfort. Yeah, I agree with that. Even if it ends up being false and we're totally wrong, it's better to have a horse that clearly enjoys what they're doing and enjoys being with you rather than one who might be uncomfortable or in pain or just feeling some kind of negative emotion. Yes, I agree. And I won't say any more on the concentration phase because again, I'd like to maybe do a whole episode on that at some point, but yeah, I would just be careful with that. And then we've covered this already, but I think just to say it a little bit more clearly, I think a big thing with moving from negative reinforcement to positive reinforcement is just changing your understanding of what's going on. Obviously there is a change in what's motivating the behavior if you're actually you know, changing from doing negative reinforcement to positive reinforcement, instead of them um, you know, moving away from pressure basically, like you said, they're following something usually, or you know, eventually you can get to the point where you, they're not really following anything and you can just cue walk on or trot or whatever, like if, you're, if they're very advanced and they can just go around the circle, but they're going to be sort of moving towards something rather than away from something. So that's just something to keep in mind for us, because I think like it's typically from a traditional background, we really are like expecting the horse to be moving away from pressure. And so when we're kind of switching over to a new way of doing things, it's just important to make sure that we are understanding that there's going to be kind of a different motivator here for the horse and that can change how we're going to view the situation and then I would also say I would just be very careful of using traditional things um, like traditional tools with it if you're wanting it to be positive reinforcement based like I would be very wary of 
using a whip at all unless it's with a target stuck to the end of it that they're following. Um, and I would be very careful of, you know, using any cues or things like that traditionally that the horse associates with pressure, just because if you do that, it may just confuse them and they're not going to understand exactly what um, they're supposed to be doing or, you know, they're not going to understand whether they're getting a reward or whether they're supposed to be, you know, moving away from pressure or what's going on. Yeah, this is where it kind of ties into last week's episode. You want to make sure that you're not mixing in this situation because then you might not know what the horse's reinforcer is. So if you are using a whip, but then you're clicking and treating, you're kind of just using negative reinforcement with a cherry on top. So the horse might like the reward, but ultimately the motivator is the whip behind them. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this is something kind of related, kind of not, but I find it really interesting. The concept of whether or not you can poison food I've talked to my trainer, Rachel, about this, and I've also just like done some research on it and thought about it and whatnot. And I mean, I don't think you can poison food. Food is a primary reinforcer. The horse is always going to want food, but it does seem like you can maybe poison like the action of you holding out food to your horse or something like that. So if you're constantly confusing the horse or holding out food in the context that you're also applying aversive pressure, you may actually kind of poison that act of you holding out the food and that may be you know making it not functioning as well as a reinforcer um so I just think that's also something to think about and just be careful to not do that if possible <laughs> yeah that's really true and I think it's important to know what you're doing too because if you do notice that your horse is maybe more hesitant about taking treats from your hand that might be a sign that there is something else going on. So there could be negative reinforcement happening that is getting paired with the action of you feeding the treat, like you said. And then in that situation, it's kind of complicated because obviously you want to remove the negative reinforcement to help the horse feel better, but you might even have to switch to using a food pan or a bucket instead because the action of you offering your hand is now a little bit scary. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good point. That's just definitely something to be aware of. And that's just why I am hesitant of mixing. And I think it can work well when the person really knows what they're doing and really understands how what they're doing is going to impact the horse. But just, you know, in general, I think it's really tough to do well. So yeah, but obviously, we don't need to fully get into that here. But yeah, Honestly, I don't have that much more to say about this. I guess we could go over common issues that people might run into with lunging. I don't know. Do you have other things to say on it? Uh, the only thing I thought of was a different way you could do it if you don't want to use a target stick. And in that situation, you would have to use like a step in post or something else because you don't want to use cones and confuse the horse. But you can also set it up where you have cones on the outside and the horse does like an A to B type targeting thing with the cones and then you can build up duration and getting them farther and that's something you can do if you're not wanting to use a target but the target has worked pretty well for me besides the frustration aspect which was totally user error so that's on me. <laughs> yeah that's a really good point and I think that would work well and then also I think maybe you could use like mats like around the outside of the 
reverse round pen to sort of help them get the idea of like, we're going in a circle pattern. And obviously they're gonna stop on the mats around the circle, but eventually you could work it down to less mats or mats farther apart. So maybe they walk all the way around the circle to get back to the one mat eventually. So you could maybe do something like that to help them get used to the circle pattern. Um, you just have to be careful when using like mats or targeting or really anything that is giving them some type of cue of what to do that they're still associating it with the circle because I've obviously like I've had situations where like I think that they're learning something but really they're just really focused on the target or they're just really focused on the mat and they're not actually like paying any attention to what's going on besides the mat or the target so just something to be aware of. Yeah, that's a really good thing to bring up because I've definitely experienced that as well with both my dogs and horses. And I feel like in general, if you're sticking with using some kind of target for too long, then the horse might start to pair that with the behavior you're asking for rather than like going around the round pen. So yeah, I think fading those out pretty quickly is a good idea, but at the same time, you have to follow your horse's pace. So it's kind of tricky sometimes. Yeah, I agree. I'm definitely guilty of using the target for too long in a lot of situations and not fading it out quickly enough. But yeah, it's just sometimes tough because the target is so useful and you just want to keep using it. But really, ideally, we should be moving past the target in most behaviors. Like when, like leading, I would say ideally not, you wouldn't always want to be using the target to lead. You would just want that on a voice cue or, you know, whatever cue you want, hand cue, whatever. But I would eventually fade out the target from leading and then you can, um, you know, be able to use the target again if you need to, if the horse needs a little bit of extra help with, you know, maybe they're in an environment that's kind of scary and they need to have something to focus on, then you can bring the target back out. Um, but I'm definitely guilty of like always wanting to use the target and not wanting to fade it out just because it's so useful and even a hand target so you don't have to have like an actual target on you just so useful but yeah I would agree with you about fading it out as soon as you can um and I think it can help too if you if you have practice leading in general like you said already the horse needs to be good at following the target but yeah just the more practice you can do with leading probably the better and then also the round pen can be used to help teach leading because you can sort of lead them with the target or without the target around the circle yeah, I'm very guilty of that as well. So yeah, it's something to take note of. So I guess with problems, we already kind of discussed a couple with the frustration following the target. If they don't have a separate cue for follow versus touch. If you're using a whip, you could run into issues with hand feeding. So obviously we advise not doing that and we'll have a whole topic with um, mixing because I think it's important but that's not this episode so that's just one thing and then uh, fading the target I don't know if you have any others I think I have a couple but it's yeah I mean I think those are kind of the big things I mean I think what we mentioned before about feeding outside of the pen can sort of help prevent a problem from happening the problem being the horse trying to bust through the round pen to get treats um so I would say you know just making sure to feed them on the outside like we already covered and I do know people who have had that situation where the horse wants to bust through the round pen so <laughs> I have had that situation so me too 
I've also had some struggles with trying to get distance from the horse because when you're teaching it you are following them around like you're leading so then when you're trying to work toward the middle to kind of imitate the lunging behavior you're eventually going to want to work back taking steps farther away from the horse so that was tricky for me in the beginning but both my horses do pretty well with that now yeah I agree that can definitely be tough and I got to work with my trainer Rachel's horse in the round pen um who was like more experienced with positive reinforcement and she had taught her the cue of like almost like in natural horsemanship lessons that I've done like when you're body sort of like your belly button is like pointing sort of like in front of the horse then the horse will um you know move in that direction so it's sort of like a body language cue of what direction for the horse to move so I think that's really cool and it's also an example of how you can teach things with positive reinforcement that almost mirror negative reinforcement like I said I've done like almost the exact same thing in natural horsemanship lessons but using pressure and um, standing that same way. So that's just kind of a cool thing. I think that the cues can look so similar, but we can teach it without pressure. Another problem could be maybe if the horse is walking away, I feel like that's a common problem that people just have with positive reinforcement in general and having protected contact, the horse may feel especially, I guess, free to walk away, which is a good thing because we want that information of when our horses are not enjoying what we're doing because we want it to be something that they want to participate in not something we're forcing them to so if that happens I would say I would just look at it in a similar way I'd look at it really with any time the horse is walking away and that would be take a look at what you're doing and what the horse is doing or what context they're walking away and maybe see like do they look like they have a frustrated facial expression or I mean walking away is just a sign of frustration in general so um maybe take what you're doing back a couple steps, maybe kind of lower the criteria a little bit, or maybe your horse just went too long without a break. Make sure you're giving them breaks. Make sure that you're being very clear with what you're asking, especially if you are mixing or working with a crossover horse or something along those lines, just being very, very clear, taking it slow and making sure that the horse understands what you're asking. And also just not taking it personally when they do walk away because it's going to probably happen, especially in the beginning when they're first learning, and it's kind of normal and it's good information to have, so. So I think all of that is true, and then you might need a higher rate of reinforcement. Oh yeah, higher for rate sure. Of reinforcement in the beginning, so like I said with Elizabeth, right now we're doing like two steps and she gets a treat. Yeah, that is a very good point. I think a lot of people want to already start at that point where they're going to be walking all the way around and get like one treat to go one time around and that's just not going to work to start with you need to have a really high rate of reinforcement and eventually you can usually lower that but you really for probably a pretty long while want to have a really high rate of reinforcement and then you want to slowly lower it and not just one day be like okay now you know the behavior so we're not reinforcing as much like you have to be very careful with that in closing, lunging with positive reinforcement can be really powerful. It can really help build up movement, or it can be a way to get exercise for your horse if they, in general, just need exercise. Although, of course, turnout is probably just the best way of getting exercise, in my opinion. But yeah, lunging can be really cool. It can be fun, and it can help you kind of get some of those more traditional looking 
behaviors that are actually taught with positive reinforcement, which is cool since traditional people kind of view lunging as such an important skill that all horses should know, which in my opinion is just way, lunging is way overrated. But yeah, I think it can be really cool with positive reinforcement. And yeah, I hope that our episode gave some ideas of how to start doing it or how to avoid some common problems with it. And that's really all I have. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at Bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training.